0: This is Recorded Future, inside threat intelligence for cybersecurity.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 105 of the Recorded Future podcast. I'm Dave Bittner from the Cyberwire. StubHub is the world's largest ticket marketplace where buyers and sellers of tickets for sports, concerts, theater, and other live entertainment events connect and do business. They partner with over a hundred entertainment venues and sports teams, enabling the exchange of hundreds of millions of tickets each year. With all of that money flowing through their system, they naturally attract their share of fraudsters. One of the people on the front lines protecting StubHub and their users is Sandeep Abraham, StubHub's only combo analyst and investigator. He joins us this week to describe the challenges StubHub faces and how he uses threat hunting and a unique leveraging of empathy and emotional intelligence to stay one step ahead. Stay with us.
0: I'm originally a literary journalism major from UC Irvine. joined the Army right out of college uh, to pay my student loans as a Chinese language analyst. So I studied Chinese in the Defense Language Institute in Monterey for two years, cryptanalysis in Goodfellow Air Force Base in Texas for six months, and then I was uh, sent to Hawaii as my final duty station. What led you to eventually where you are today at StubHub? So after I got out of the Army in 2016, and uh, I had a lot of cybersecurity skills, I'd gotten a lot of technical experience. A friend of mine actually helped me find a job at Gap, Gap Inc. As a forensic analyst, hmm. did that for about a year. Realized I wanted something more with investigations, with something not really into forensics. And so, uh, a recruiter reached out to me for a position at StubHub. That was both cybersecurity and required good people skills. And thought that was a rare, rare combination. So went in for the interview, and yeah, um, a year later, I've been working as a both a threat analyst and what is mostly a fraud investigator we also work on in insider threats, anything and everything that falls under the investigator umbrella. So. Well,
1: for, for folks who might not be familiar with StubHub, can you describe to us what's the, the, uh, the spectrum of businesses that uh, StubHub handles there?
0: So, StubHub is the world's largest secondary uh, ticket marketplace, essentially allowing individuals and brokers to sell t- event tickets that they've already purchased to other independent buyers. One ticket is sold on StubHub every 1.3 seconds, and we're available in 48 countries, including the U.S., Canada, the U.K., Mexico, Spain, China, Japan. StubHub works with over 200 partners worldwide, such as the NBA, the NHL, NFL. We let our fans get to, get to the events that they want to get to hmm. without any limits of uh, tickets being sold out or running out of time for the event. My specific department within StubHub is global trust and safety, and we handle any kind of fraud or any kind of misuse of our platform. That said, our fraud rates are extremely, extremely tiny, Hmm. and um, we do an extremely good job of preventing fraud and making sure our customers and their transactions are protected and that there's absolutely nothing keeping our customers from reaching the, the events that they want to go to.
1: So when I think about um, the range of things that you all do, and when I think about you have tickets, which can be counterfeited, and you're dealing with uh, financial transactions, getting money from consumers Mm -hmm. to people who are buying and selling, there's a lot of surface area there.
0: A lot, yeah. And counterfeiting is, I'd say, a tiny portion of that. In fact, Mm -hmm. with all the new um, innovations in the ticketing industry as a whole, counterfeiting itself has become far less of an issue than it used to be with Technologies such so as rotating barcodes. Um, some of the anti counterfeiting technology applied to hard tickets, like tickets for the Super Bowl, are also some of the same techniques the U.S. Mint uses to prevent counterfeiting of $500, $1,000 bills. Hmm. I'd say one of the biggest issues that we have as far as fraud goes, um, unfortunately, our business model lends us uh, to money laundering. Oh. Yeah, mix it makes uh, it. With tickets being worth as much as they are for big events like Hamilton, like Super Bowl, like uh, NBA playoffs. The closer it gets to the event, the more valuable the ticket is going to be. And that essentially turns the ticket into currency. So I can uh, can walk you through one of the more complicated fraud scenarios that we see. Yeah, please. So company X gets breached and uh, say... Six hundred million credentials, u- username and password, username password combinations get dropped on the open internet, or the dark web. Fraudster X buys three hundred credentials and then uses a credential stuffing app to on um, one of the primary ticket sellers, or one of the uh, one of our partners, one of our sports event event partners. People, human beings being human beings, tend to reuse the same passwords and the same credentials across multiple accounts, especially if the accounts are for uh, similar, I guess, groups similarly in a person's day to day life. So, yeah, mm. if I'm going to go to sports events, all my sports accounts are going to be the same as my StubHub and Ticketmaster and Vivid Seats and Viagogo accounts. I'm going to keep all of them probably the same. So, knowing this, a fraudster then. Uses a credential stuffing app and tries those credentials on each of the ticketing platforms. Once they get a hit, they go into the account of the accounts of whoever they've um, they've compromised, and either use the tickets that are already sitting on the account or buy up new tickets. And they usually do this maybe a few days before an event, so they can sell it right then or transfer the ticket to another account that then sells it. And they reroute the PayPal or they reroute the uh, they use a a stolen credit card or something else in order to um, monetize that ticket and essentially turn it into cash. And mm. they do this within a couple of days and before the actual card holder or the account holder even realizes it. And by the time they do realize it, the money's long gone. It's been converted into Bitcoin or Ethereum and it's floating somewhere out in the ether. Mm. So that's an entire fraud scenario and there are so many different points in that entire chain of events that we work to prevent. My specific job as a threat intelligence analyst is understanding each of those different points and what we can do to better prevent prevent that entire chain from even happening. Yeah.
1: Well, well, let's dig into that some. I mean, uh, you do a lot of, of threat hunting. Let, let's start off with some definitions here. How do you define threat hunting?
0: So threat hunting for my role specifically is very different from what um, I've understood threat hunting to be in the private sector in general. Threat hunting in the private sector being... Malware reverse engineering and very strongly focused on the cyber part of cybersecurity, actually looking at technologies, looking at exploits, at uh, vulnerabilities at zero days and understanding who might be building these, looking for markers of state-sponsored state actors, things like that. For my specific role, because it's mostly focused on fraud and fraud as a whole encompasses, has a much larger human element to it. So threat hunting for me is looking for evidence of fraud or even where fraud would start as a whole, including you know human chatter, um, hmm. fraudster behaviors, fraudster motivations, um, any parts of our platform and parts of our business model that uh, might have Illicit, like you know, fraud or e crime in general, taking place, or might be uh, might be an originating point for a criminal operation, and that include within that it includes uh, the actual technical aspect as well.
1: Now, now, are you out there looking for conversations on on uh, dark web forums, for example, or are are there people out there saying, hey? Uh here's a way I figured out how to send some money through StubHub. Do, do those ty- types of conversations exist and do they bubble up onto your radar?
0: Yeah, constantly. In fact, I would say that is uh, as far as I define my threat hunting, that is exactly how I go and look for threats and how they're just, how they're planning out an attack. Hmm. That said, like going to the actual topic of our discussion today, um leveraging empathy in threat hunting. Yeah. I think it in compared to other teams that might do, um, threat hunting on, on a purely IR or instant response, cybersecurity perspective, a lot of my job involves actually understanding the human beings behind the crime, the human beings behind the actual fraud planning hmm. and what their motivations might be. So uh, describe to me, what do you mean by that? A lot of companies have what's known as like a, a KYC program a know your customer, I borrow from the marketing teams and their know your customer programs. Which usually look at understanding our customers and understanding how what they might be looking for in our product and I apply that to the criminals instead and see more of a know your criminal kind of program and understand what our criminals might be looking for hmm. when they come to a tax hub. What makes a criminal think, Oh, this is a company that's ripe that's ripe for exploitation or ripe for um, money making in an illicit way, right? So To that end, I try my best to understand the perspective of our attackers. I go to wherever they are emotionally, wherever they are mentally, to the best of my ability. Just based off the behavior I observe on these forums, um, the conversations I see happening, observing all the patterns. You know, uh, if a certain fraud group is more talkative at a certain time of day or a certain season or before certain events. And just asking the questions like, what does this mean? Why? Why is this happening? Why are people behaving the way that they are?
1: What advantage do you think that gives you by being able to put yourself in their shoes emotionally and, and empathetically? It
0: gives me a predictive ability. It gives me an ability to see not just where they are attacking right now, but where they might plan to attack in the future. If I understand what our criminals understand or what they think they understand of our, of our platform, or where StubHub fits into their overall scheme, yeah, I can provide better intelligence to our stakeholders and let them understand... Um, how we can how we can prevent the fraud from even happening.
1: Can you give us some examples of what sort of motivations do you see them having out there?
0: At the end of the day, these are human beings, so besides money, the basic motivations when fraudsters go onto these forums or get onto the dark web and use a Tor browser, um, they're looking for one exclusivity to feel like they're special, like they've hit upon a way of making money that most people don't know, that they have some specialized knowledge. They look for connection for other people working in the same place that they are, who understand other people who can empathize and sympathize with their need to be a fraudster or a criminal or to make money in the way that they are making it. They're looking for safety and security, the assumption of anonymity, of using a VPN, of everyone kind of quote unquote being on the same page. There's an unspoken understanding that their conversations are private, that we're all, when I say we, I'm saying me imagining myself as a criminal yeah we're all fighting against the man the cops the the bigger system and it's interesting because uh you see a different culture show up in different uh forms with different languages Hmm. so uh, i think recorded future put out uh, the insect group put out a a paper a white paper on the differences between the russian dark web markets and the chinese dark web markets and how those developed it was called uh, thieves and geeks right Really good paper. I loved it a lot. Um, it actually informed a lot of my own research. Just a little shout-out to the NSYNC group there.
1: <laughs> some of them are they're, they're out in the audience applauding right now, smiling.
0: Of course. Of course. <laughs> but the, uh, the understanding is especially... So, uh, for example, on um, a lot of the Russian forums, Russian-speaking forums, I see. One, it tends to be not just Russian. It's a mix of Russian, Bulgarian, some Latvian. I don't speak any of these languages. Google Translate is definitely my friend here. Hmm. From what I can translate, what I can understand, it's a lot of these fraudsters come from small towns or are, let's say, teenagers, lower end of 20s, some in their 30s. The basic feeling is that American companies deserve to be defrauded, deserve to be stolen from because, you know, they make money so easily. Generalizing a lot here, but the consensus that I've seen and from what I understand is, they feel American companies is already makes much money and it's unfair. And we, we can afford to lose this money. It's, it's no skin of our back, a couple million here, a couple hundred thousand here, it's not a big deal. Hmm. They believe they have a right to that money for them. That is how they make, that is, that is their living. That is in the world that's unfair and the world that has put them in a poorer part of Europe or a less fortunate part of Europe, like they Deserve that they, they feel like they deserve to make money in whatever way that they deem fit. They're using yeah. their skills. They're using their um, prowess to understand the technology of a different country, of a different um, part of the world, and they're exploiting it to their benefit. A lot of times they organize their criminal organizations in the, in the same way that Silicon Valley startups do. They've got you know an originator, someone who comes up with a fresh new idea to defraud a certain company or focuses on a certain industry. He or she has, like, I'd say, lackeys or uh, subordinates, managers of other operations, and they each focus on you know, different regions of the United States or different types of payment, different forums. You see the same name show up on multiple forums, the same, uh, the same language, I guess, the same kind of slang used on multiple forums. You start seeing patterns in uh, or in certain groups and what they're doing. Obviously, this makes it easier with some of the newer groups because they aren't. Naturally, spun up on all the, on the different ways to stay anonymous on not getting caught on how to, you know, how to be professional criminals. And the ones I, t- I usually tend to, to identify to, to catch into a study are the newer, the greener, the ones who tend to be the pawns of bigger fish.
1: Observing the things that you do and taking note of the emotional components of, of these folks uh, that are your adversaries, does that enable you to come up with ways to thwart them that, that also use that knowledge to your advantage? Can you, can you undermine them uh, knowing the things you know about how they think about things?
0: Absolutely. Um, in many different ways. Using the, I'll start with uh, how I use Recorded Future. I use the advanced querying form, which is a big favorite of mine. The Recorded Future's platform gives me a lot of flexibility in my querying, in my research, and I really, really appreciate that. To that end, I used the knowledge I gained from linguistic analysis to write better queries, to come up with better keywords, um, words that may not show up in a dictionary or slang that is hardly used. Say a word for, uh, I'm just going to throw out a random word, a word, say honeycomb. Mm. Honeycomb in certain form might mean high value tickets. But right. unless you spend time like studying the entire forum or um, the past posts of a certain fraudster or a certain uh, user on these forums, there's no way to know that. There's no way to know where, why Honeycomb came to be used as that term. So I start writing um, Boolean query logic that incorporates this fraudster Honeycomb, any mentions of Super Bowl or something like that, just to see you know where else would this show up, who else is using the term Honeycomb like and you start building out an organization like that, as far as preventing fraud based off that knowledge, you start looking for specific avenues that certain fraudsters start targeting, right? Like, one thing we've seen lately, you know, a point of pride for our fraud teams here is that the general feeling on a lot of these forums is that StubHub is extremely hard to to defraud. Hmm. Our anti-fraud measures are really effective, and we tend to catch over 90, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put our percentage in the 90s without being too specific, but right, right. Um, of the fraud that comes to our platform. But, you know, fraudsters get creative. They start looking into to gift cards and they start seeing mentions of gift cards for completely unrelated businesses in different industries being used to then monetize. Somehow, you know, in some roundabout way, um, launder certain money on our platform. Honeycomb now suddenly means, I don't know, a grocery store gift card Mm -hmm. that is then used to buy something else. It's just paying attention to those little nuances and those little ways of talking, which to a lot of these fraudsters, it's it's like a big inside joke. Like, they think they're really clever in um, the way they talk to each other. It's, it's, you know, the the same way any social group tends to work, like any uh, in-group. A fraternity comes up with its own way of talking, a it's a lexicon that just you just work on understanding and understanding the emotional motivations behind that
1: it's interesting to me that that combination of using the tools using the technology i guess to be able to work at scale but you still need that human ability to get in there and uh, see some of those patterns sort of sense the i guess the subtext of what people are talking about
0: yes absolutely and um I'd say that is one of the limits of any threat intelligence platform, even Recorded Future. Um, you know, again, without giving away too much. Um, this was some something I understood even when I was in the intelligence community as well. You will always need analysts because uh, human beings tend to change the way they communicate and the way they behave year to year or month to month, but even day to day. like New words, new contexts, new... Motivations come up constantly, and there's very little way to predict them using a machine. Yeah, you have machine learning, you have AI, but I think we're a long, long way away from our machines having emotional intel—the emotional intelligence it needs to better, you know, to predict human behavior on that level.
1: So, I mean, what are the what are the lessons that you take away from this? With your experience? at StubHub and using threat intelligence and doing the threat hunting that you that you do. I mean, what sort of recommendations do you have for other folks in, in different organizations who may be facing similar types of challenges? Do you have any words of wisdom or tips you've learned along the way?
0: Always remember that whether it's a bot a botnet or a new type of malware or ransomware, the actual attacker behind that is a human being. And he or she has some motive or has understand that they're persistent, that they are motivated to get what they want, but at the end of the day, they still have the same human insecurities and uncertainties and fears and emotional hang-ups that you and I have as well. You're not fighting with a massive, unknowable monster. It's just another human being at the other end of the line.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a really interesting insight. And I think particularly in a in an industry that, that relies so much on technology, uh, I think sometimes that can be overlooked.
0: Remembering that at the end of the day, each of us just wants the same thing to survive and to matter in the greater scheme of things. I think that, that helps us both protect our customers as well as fight the criminals trying to uh, trying to attack us.
1: Our thanks to Sandeep Abraham from StubHub for joining us. The recorded future podcast team includes coordinating producer Zane Picorney, executive producer Greg Barrett. The show is produced by The Cyberwire, with editor John Petrick, executive producer Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening.